So I burst out of the safe, orange, orange <laughs> ring of blazing, right? And I suck in the, the jellyfish into my ring. Oh. Boom. Awesome. Problem solved. Are you going to make it your pet and talk to it? It's my bitchin' moment of the week. <laughs> Red Raiders. Hello. Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators with the occasional side quest for widgets and wadgets. My name is Fenwald Griswick. My name is Imposted. <laughs> you, you've been gone for so long, I wrote you out of the show. There. Oh my god. That's your name again. I'm Chaotic Anarchy. I'm, I'm TK. See, TK remembered his name. He's not even looking at the file. <laughs> and today we have a special guest. Robert Prichard. How are no, you, sir? I am good, Grinwald. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I'm... Robert Griswick's Robert. Yes, this is Rob. Uh, you may know him as New Wildcat 62 uh, from the Thread Raiders group. It's actually NU Wildcat 62. Everybody gets that wrong. But what is oh. NU? Okay, so I've had this screen name since I was in junior high school. So NU actually stands for North Union, which is the school I went to. Ah, and then Wildcat okay. was the mascot, and then 62 was the number I had when I played football. High school oh, pride, cool. I love yeah. it. You played football? Yes. Oh, You're our so Al Bundy. <laughs> I don't know anything about sports, but what did you play in football? <laughs> I was a defensive tackle. Holy crap, that's awesome. Nice. That's the middle one on the right-hand side. Did you? <laughs> Thank you for my little chart on my screen. I appreciate that. How rude. <laughs> so you're this little guy on the left. So you really, did you like football? Did you like playing? Oh, yeah. I loved playing football. But um, once I graduated high school, I uh, I went right to work and to technical school. So I never played beyond high school. Mm. That explains the 350 monitors you were talking about before. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> Robert's also one of the Thread Raiders tech support folks. Yes. Yes. We really appreciate. I feel so supported all the time. <laughs> Wouldn't it be neat if tech schools had football teams? Like they could be like the D4 league. Some two-year colleges do. Um, there's actually a show on Netflix, and I forget the name now, but it highlights these two-year schools. And basically the guys who go to the two-year schools either got kicked out of a four-year school playing football or couldn't make it to a four-year school so they go here to get experience and stats and try to make it to a bigger school i just went to community college and then it's like uh i have my degrees i'm just gonna get a bunch of certifications now because yeah they want me to be they want me to be a thing that i'm not yet now i'm that thing <laughs> yeah, I went to I went to community college, and then I'm still working on the bachelor's degree. So that's yeah, good. No rush. Yeah, it's so expensive. You can't even be a, uh, a cashier at McDonald's without a bachelor's degree anymore. Know, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> if you're smart, you're smart. I I saw one 
it was really stupid. And hey, you'll find this stupid, Robert. It was for a help desk position. Oh, okay. Tier one wow. requires a bachelor's degree and four years of experience for $14 an hour. Like, yeah, right. No. Um, no. Um, <laughs> first of all, bachelor's degree for tier one. I hope to, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do to, to screw up your career so badly? Right. So, Robert. <laughs> you have an impressively pragmatic view of Twitter. Your Twitter account seems to be exclusively dedicated to retweeting prize contest tweets from people who are giving away everything from dice to entire computers. Um, yeah, I don't use Twitter that much except for doing that or retweeting people in the RPG community. Um, and the problem with Twitter is, is as you retweet stuff, they s then pop up more items of the same value. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and you dove right in. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. What's the coolest thing you've ever won? Um. Was it the Snagglepuss Pez Dispenser? <laughs> no. Oh. No. Damn, I was going to trade you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, which I've got... It I've doesn't matter. If you're listening and you have won the Pink Snagglepuss Pez Dispenser, <laughs> I need you to contact me at, <laughs> at Grizzwix on Twitter. You can private message me. This would be great when it happens. Yeah, if you follow at Funko, they do these things like oh, three or four times a day where they give away one of their like minis or Pez dispensers or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean, I've won a lot of dice. One guy, he was doing, he basically called it his after con box. And basically, it was all the stuff he got at a con that he didn't want. And nice. so it was dice sets and some minis. And there was actually a dice tray that he didn't want because he'd already had three. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of stuff at um, different conventions that I go to. And then I usually just give it, like for Extra Life, I gave out a lot of stuff for that, for donations and stuff. It's fun. Yeah. I went to CA's house one time. And I went to put my coat in her coat closet. And as I opened the door, like dice and all kinds of like lanyards and it just started pouring out onto the floor. And as I was pushing against the door, it was actually pushing me backwards and more was falling out and more was falling out. It was crazy. That, that was CA's yeah. uh, room of requirements. Yeah. <laughs> and then I heard a story somewhere that if you look under her couch, it's full of board games. Oh, my goodness. People are going to think I'm a hoarder. That's a rumor. <laughs> I have to start taking pictures of my place to redeem myself. I don't know who started that rumor, but that person was purely evil. That was so you. <laughs> that was like episode two. <laughs> I don't know why I talked to you, Chris Wicks. Someone was listening to our top 70. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually listened to every episode of the podcast. At this have point. you? Oh, well, yes. thank you. We have a fan. We appreciate Guys, that. look, we did something. Our first fan. <laughs> I would hope oh. we have fans because, you know, if we don't have fans. We know for a fact that some some people have been listening to us. Yeah. All nine of you. Well, <laughs> I joined your Discord before I even knew there was a podcast. <laughs> That's true. So I can vouch yeah. for that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was no. I actually I don't remember who it was. It was either TK or CA. I was following on Twitter, and they mentioned this Threadraiders Discord, and I already had like seventeen Discords anyway. So why not join? <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but how many of them are about pizza toppings? Uh, none. No, that's wrong. It is. Ours is about pizza toppings. 
Well, the Discord itself is not about pizza toppings. Pizza toppings are just a topic in the Discord. I was lied to. I, mean, I was told the entire <laughs> Discord was about pizza toppings. It started that way, uh, and then we the reorganized. Name? Yeah, then people, the holidays came, and everybody wanted to be like snowflakes and Santas, so it changed. But before, it somebody, it was you. Yes, it was. Robert, <laughs> it was you who put that you didn't like pineapple. It doesn't belong on pizza, right? Pineapple does not belong on right. pizza. Right, and then I changed mine that, yes, it does belong on pizza, and then Nils changed his, and then Empire changed theirs. It was a good time. Uh, so. and then there was, a, there was a glorious day where we all got together and agreed that peas and mayonnaise don't belong on pizza. Ew. No. And then Maddie but... left the group. <laughs> <laughs> to start his own mayonnaise. That mayonnaise exactly. swilling bastard. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> I know that that was actually a topic Maddie and I got on when he's like, I, I don't like mayonnaise personally. I just the the looks of betrayal I got via Discord from you know, <laughs> everywhere. Like, what what's wrong with you? <laughs> so the one thing I'm super excited about is to find out more about Starfinder. Yeah, so a little rundown on Starfinder. Um, if you've heard of Pathfinder, it's based in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Um. But what happens at the beginning of Starfinder is there's this period called the Gap. And it's about a 300-year period where everybody loses their memory. Ooh. And the entire planet of Galarian disappears. Um, In its place is this new space station called Absalom Station. And if you look up pictures, it looks really awesome. Um, But... um, Right after the gap, there's also this thing that happens from a new god called the Triune that grants everybody drift travel. And drift travel is basically, for those of us who watch sci-fi movies, faster than light travel. It gave everybody this technology evenly. Now, of course, some people, some planets didn't have the technology to even understand what this was, whereas others could implement this right away and... Um, so, yeah, and then there's a whole history for the past, like, I think it's 1,300 years of different wars that happen and different things that happen in the galaxy, different planets are discovered, different species show up, and it's it's a really cool game that kind of melds your, your high fantasy games like Pathfinder and sci-fi stuff like Star Wars or Star Trek. Sounds really cool. Now, are the rules this exactly the same as Pathfinder's? They're not exactly the same. They do. I mean, you can definitely tell there's a basis for Pathfinder from Pathfinder in Starfinder, but they have changed a lot of the rules. Um, like one of the big rules that changed um, if you play Pathfinder is the five foot step. You used to be able to get a free move action called a five foot step. Um, in Path or in Starfinder, that's actually now called a guarded step, and it's a full movement action. Oh, okay. Um. And, of course, in both Pathfinder and Starfinder, you can't get an attack of opportunity for taking it, but it's a full movement action instead of a free movement action. Hmm. Obviously, with it being sci-fi, you have new weapons, uh, lots of laser guns, lots of um, laser swords, um, different enhancements. You can actually do upgrades to your body to make yourself better if you want to. And there's some new races. So not only do you have the classic races that you commonly find, but you have new alien races and even Android. Um, and then 
Paizo, in their infinite wisdom, came out with Alien Archive 1 and 2. And both of these had 20 or so each of playable races that you could play. And soon 3 will be out this year with another 25. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, as quickly as they can come up with Alien races, they're putting them out. Um, I mean, anything from the Skittermander, which is this little pink and purple six-armed Muppet, to um, a Contemplative, which is basically a floating brain with a doll body on it. (laughs) You had me at Muppet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yay, that was my attempt. (laughs) That was actually pretty good. When you say that the planet disappeared, are we? T- is this like in Attack of the Clones when Obi Wan goes to see Yoda and he's like, "I can't find my planet," and Yoda's like, oh, "Master Obi Wan has lost his planet." That is find it. Like we Yoda. shall try. <laughs> That's the thing. It disappeared during this period called the Gap. Now what? And so nobody actually knows what happened to the planet. It is by some uh, communing with the gods. It is. They have told people that Galarian is still there and it's safe, but not where it is. It, it's a very interesting concept to split Pathfinder and Starfinder from each other so that one really doesn't interfere with the other. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do like that Paizo did was um, one of their... I forget what they call it. I keep on calling it Adventures Guild. But they had a, like a one-shot to bridge that gap between if you wanted to go... F- Bring your characters from Pathfinder to Starfinder with this free, nifty, one-shot adventuring guide, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, they did that. Um, They also, in the back of the core rulebook, have a whole section on bringing legacy items in. So anything from Pathfinder that you can, they have have a way that you can bring it in. Um, You can bring your weapons from Pathfinder. You can bring your characters. You can bring races. In Starfinder, a goblin is actually a playable race now. Um, really? which is, they call them space goblins, but, um, think of evil gnomes basically, cause mm-hmm. they're tinkerers. And so they put together these things called junk rifles and junk ships. And it's basically whatever they can find, they piece it together and make an item. And you have a one, if you roll a one, it has a, it explodes in your hand. So <laughs> Yeah. I do like one of the races. I think it was in uh, Alien Archive 2. There's a giant bear. There's actually multiple giant bears. So they have the regular bear, then they have a panda, then they have a polar bear. Starfinder just took every nerd thing they could. Paizo was like, look, these are all nerdy sci-fi things. We're putting them in a game now. (laughs) All right, now I have a question. So, Scotty from Star Trek, right? In the entire series run, he's got about six minutes of total dialogue because he's the engineer. (laughs) But this game has an engineering skill. So my question is, if I build an engineering character in this game, am I going to have any fun or am I just the weird guy at the end of the table? Um, Well, okay, so I've created multiple characters for this game and one of them is a mechanic and the mechanic is basically a guy who fixes things. Yes. The mechanic is a class that I really like because you also get an addition to your character. Um, it's either an exocortex, which helps you do things like targeting and um, increased intelligence roles, that kind of thing, or you can get a drone. 
that you can control. And they have different styles of drones. Um, There's a combat drone, a stealth drone, and a flying drone, which has a different name. The big thing with the mechanic is they get a bonus to engineering, they get a bonus to physical science, and a bonus to computer use. So, yeah, and especially when you get into stuff like starship combat, you actually have a position on the starship called an engineer, and they give you... They either patch up the ship or they give you bonuses to different stuff so you can move faster or overcharge the guns or do things like that. Have you had the opportunity to do like a space battle? Yes. I've actually GM'd several, but um, but yeah. And space battles with Starfinder, in a lot of your games, like I used to play the Star Wars Roll20 or D20 system, And if you were in a starship battle, either everyone had their own ship and you were all pilots and you all took a turn, or Mm. if you were all on the same ship, the only people that really had a chance to do anything are the pilot and the gunner. Right. Well, in Starfinder, they've created a whole system where everybody gets a turn. Awesome. Um, So you have have your pilot, you have your captain, you have a science officer, an engineer, and depending on the number of guns on your ship – you can have multiple gunners. This is so funny because it's exactly like the simulation game I just explained to Grizzwicks that I'm going to talk about next week. <laughs> <laughs> because I was the communications officer. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so during a starship battle, there's three phases. Um, at first, you have the engineering phase where your engineer goes um, and can, like I said, give a boost to the ship or can repair something that's been critically damaged. Um, then you move on to the helm phase where your science officer and your, um, and your pilots go, um, your science officer can do things like scan the other ship, um, increase, um, your science officer also has the ability through a computer's check to increase, um, targeting and do things like that. Sure. Um, and of course your pilot has all these different maneuvers that they have laid out in the book that you can do like a flyby or a flip and burn, um, that you can do, or you can just move. Um, and then of course you have your gunnery phase where the gunners shoot things. Um, and at any point the captain can go and give any of any of the people on the ship a boost. Ah, kind of like a leadership thing. Right. See, that's the thing. I like I saw the Star Wars D20 version of this and it almost was like an afterthought. Like they had created this system where they were going to use the Force and then they were like, "Oh yeah, Star Wars is in space." And then they had to throw together this, you know, space thing. So, right. I just was kind of wondering like how it was, you know, uh, and it's good to hear that they've kind of put some thought into it. And then, I mean, Starfinder has ships ranging from tiny, which is like a one-person ship, all the way up to a colossal ship, which is basically a planet-sized ship. And your players, if they have enough money or the bravado to take over a ship, um, can control ships of any size. Uh, But once you get up to, like, the gigantic and the colossal and all these other things, instead of each person doing a specific action, you actually control a whole team of people. Are there rankings? And if there are rankings, can I be a space lord? (laughs) You got to wear the kilt. (laughs) A kilted space lord. Is that an option? Yes, there's Um, there's only enough room for one. It could be. It depends how you want to make your character. I want to make them a space lord. 
Well, then you can name your character a space lord, and I would probably suggest going with um, an envoy, um, which is basically your charisma-based character. Thank you. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) You're making my dreams come true. (laughs) It's community update. You gotta see my song, damn it. <laughs> it's community update. Yes. Yeah, Robert. Look at you. See, why can't you do these things, Chris? <laughs> oh, Hana. <laughs> <laughs> so, for community update, it's Fat Stacks. Yes. Fat Stacks is the pancake stacking strategy card game that I'm trying desperately to get funded because I really love this game with all of my heart. Uh, this is their third attempt, and they're almost there. They're at $6,537 out of 10000 and they've got 17 days to go. Such a great game. We've played it at every MAGFest for the past two or three years now. A simple card game. You can take it with you anywhere. Uh, you can also, for their pledge, they have a printable version, so you can just print it out and use it if you don't want to buy the card game. Come support them. It's amazing. Basically, how it works is that everybody gets four pancake cards, and everybody starts off with a buttermilk pancake down on the table. (laughs) You basically have to find toppings to add to them, and each of your cards has a certain amount of points on them. If you make a certain stack with a certain amount of points, you can close them with what's called finishers, which would go on top of the pancakes, such as maybe like butter. You can top it with whipped cream. Uh, syrup sprinkles whatever you want and then each finisher has like a special ability to it Um, so that could give you like extra points or cause like cards to be taken off of your stack or added onto another one Um, there are negative cards um, which are basically like you're adding like crunchy leaves to your pancakes or maybe you burn someone's pancake (laughs) so you can definitely get competitive with it the detailing on it is incredible and it's super cute game it's maybe about like 30 minutes uh to play the game it can go up to three to six players uh and it's good for all ages although it says like 14 plus on there i think it could go even younger if you really wanted to um we love it and we hope that they're able to um you know finish their kickstarter it's by candy coated games so check them out give them some loving Yes, they are um, fat underscore stacks underscore game uh, at twi- uh, on Twitter. Yes, and if you get the game, I will play with you. So you'll come to Kentucky and play the game with me? <laughs> Virtually play with you. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I know it's not as exciting. <laughs> but if it funds this game, I might do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> How many fact stack games are you going to buy? <laughs> <laughs> and even if you can't make a pledge, um, you can always retweet. So, you know, give them a little bit of love. Uh, tell your friends. Have your friends tell their friends who tell their friends who tell their friends. That's how these things become successes. Please do, yes. It's how, that's, well, I mean, we got, uh, how did, who was it that, uh, did that back in the day. Uh, before I actually knew the Thread Raiders. That's how actually uh, Fate got started. Was just one guy had an idea and they told their friends who told their friends who told their friends and then now we have Evil Hat Productions. It's just such an addicting game and I want to play all the time <laughs> and I'm sad that I can't. <laughs> yes, CA is patient zero in this particular viral campaign so <laughs> help us out. Just don't let her bite you because then you'll, you know, the virus will spread. And 
And if it gets funded, there's even like special cards that I haven't even played with yet that give you extra points. They're like the bonus stars at the end of Mario Party. And we all know how I feel about that. <laughs> yes. If for no other reason, there is a mystery meat pancake and we won't know what's on the mystery meat pancake unless this gets funded. <laughs> Help us now. <laughs> There really is a mystery pancake, by the way. Mystery me pancake. <laughs> it's promo time. This episode of the Thread Raiders podcast is brought to you by the letters Q and Umlaut. This episode is also sponsored by Tabletop Loot, the best place on the web to find quality gaming accessories for your D&D, Pathfinder, Fate, or whatever TTRPG you happen to love is game. Sure, that's English. They also have mugs, dice jails, and other great miscellany. And if you use the code THREADRAIDERS at checkout, you will receive a discount off your entire order. I find it hard to believe you're going to find a better deal than that. Visit TabletopLoot.com today to check out their great selection of gear. Tabletop Loot, loot for every table. This episode is also sponsored by Founders Coffee. There are only so many hours you get to spend alive here on this planet. Now, for some of you, the afterlife grants you your own planet. So for you, my concern for your lost time will seem pedantic. But for the rest of you, spending countless hours standing in line at the local coffee shop, or even worse, in line at one of the five buildings that all have the exact same franchise coffee shop directly across the street from the train station, simply does not make sense. That's why there's Founders Coffee. Roasted beans simply taste better with a little bit of patriotism. Proudly packaged right here in the U.S. of A., you haven't truly woken up until you've downed a cup of their Old Glory Medium Blend Roast. Set your coffee maker timer for Reveille, set your sights on www.founderscoffee.us, and set yourself up with a bag or two of coffee so good, it'll raise your flag in the morning. Founders Coffee, patriotic to the last drop. And now... Back to our show. I feel like I you need uh, a song. <laughs> uh, oh. Maybe you should sing one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been tricked enough into singing on this podcast. <laughs> we gotta, uh, actually, we gotta uh, work on it, guys. <laughs> uh, Robert brought up, uh, I was actually going to do one game, and then Robert brought up a game that is near and dear to my heart that I could talk about ad nauseum forever. Uh, Shadowrun is... Uh, as we saw at PAX Unplugged, is coming out with a new edition. I got uh, to actually playtest an early release of it. That's not much different than 5th edition. They're calling it 5th uh, edition light. <laughs> but the lore behind it is still there, and it takes place after uh, the 6th Cataclysm that occurs, oh. and there's all new races. Jeez. Like, the worlds have merged. <laughs> so, Old Earth and New Earth are kind of there together, and pretty much all hell breaks loose. Spoiler alert, if you're still back on the fourth cataclysm. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, no one knows what, I like, I have, fourth edition takes place in the fourth cataclysm. Fifth edition jumps two of them. <laughs> it's like, oh, what happened? <laughs> I, I, it's such a lore-rich game. I go on about it forever, but for this edition, the what I really like about it is the lore begins and the world begins during peace. It begins for not having a use for Shadowrunners. 
TK, I have no choice but to point out the fact that all war begins during peace. <laughs> <laughs> Would I you mean, like to start that sentence again? <laughs> well, there, there is no... Uh, in the uh, lore, there's no war going on because there's no there's no conflict which is where everything gets kind of hinky because you're like oh well there's no conflict why do you have a need for shadow runners because there are no megacorps so now it's more of a hev- a magic heavy world i mean there's still the classic deckers there's uh your cybernetics but it's more in the tune of if you make a deal with a dragon this time it won't eat you <laughs> they uh, brought back the uh, six dead master dragons from first, second, and third edition, who are the rulers of the sixth age. I don't know much about it, honestly. I love, but it sounds I, it sounds intense. I love Shadowrun. It, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of violence. It really is. <laughs> it's perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, I once had a character who got my whole brain alive. can't get past the fact that there is a fifth cataclysm out there. That uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was so cataclysmic that nobody even talks about it. It's got to be a good one. <laughs> like, huh. It's kind of like, the, you know, the 300 years in Starfinder. No one knows what happened. I mean, it's just a 25-year brick of time that something had occurred, but then the sixth cataclysm occurs. It's like, okay, the dragons are back. Magic is back. Technology's not as prevalent. And for some reason, all the megacorps are gone. I love our podcast. Planets, <laughs> planets just disappear. Cataclysms come and go. Who cares? You know, we're so flippant about chronology. I love it. It's great. Yeah, you know, there's 25 years of time plus 300 years of time in two different games that you know, don't exist. There is a like as in the new edition that's coming out, uh, which has a board game counterpart to it, which I'm not a fan of. But I won't go into that. They do bring back, uh, but they're, they're not called megacorps anymore. They're called the corporations, the corporations of incorporation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Be creative. <laughs> I mean, I could tell I thought, thought was put into that. There. They're just six ones that are canon in the game when it is released uh, in March. Then these six are kind of the. Okay, one is really big on technology. They're, they're kind of like religions. Like, we, one does not believe in magic at all. They think magic is evil. One is big on magic. One thinks the world should go back to the way it was when there were Shadowrunners around. Mm-hmm. One is big on you know, academics. It's like, yeah, the, the world needs to learn more. We need to learn from our past mistakes. We need to be better. One's just completely political. And the uh, other one is, well, basically, it's Judge Dredd. <laughs> they are the cops and they're a corporation oh, <laughs> they're called the law <laughs> I mean how much more can you get just judge dread like what's their name the law so private military faction that can execute on on site I like it <laughs> yeah and uh, they do not believe the other megacorp should exist they think that they're the only one that should exist, and they're the reason behind uh, the resurgence of the need for Shadowrunners. Uh, the, the book says you should not work, like, it is not advised to work for them 
because you may end up in handcuffs in the back of a dark room somewhere. Just like in real life. TK, buddy, you are scratching <laughs> one of my itches, man. <laughs> I hate tautological company names. And this is just perfect with the Incorporated Corporation Corporal. <laughs> like, I, wa- I want to know, what were they thinking? Like, was it just like a 3 a.m. meeting? Like, look, we're almost yeah, done with this book. Say, I wonder how that meeting went. <laughs> we need a name for these megacorps now that we keep. We're not calling them megacorps. Like, I got it. The corporation's <laughs> incorporated. You know what this is like? This is like Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. <laughs> Why are you telling me what I can and can't do with my donut? I bought it from you. All right. If I want to dunk it, I want to dunk it. If I feed it to a bird, that's okay too. Why are you up in my face? That's why there are all those obese birds, isn't it? Oh. Don't blame me for this. That's sad. Obesity birds. Oh. My God. I mean, I mean those pigeons don't fly anymore. They more just strut around. Like, yeah. Oh. It doesn't matter if you're big boned if they're hollow. <laughs> I, say I love them any less. I love them just as much. <laughs> In fact, I think I love them more. <laughs> the, <laughs> there, uh, there's actually a book out for lore that is three books for the new lore of the universe and the what they're calling the sixth world. And in total, they are 748 pages. That's a lot of pages. And that's just the world lore they have so far like that is this is what we published and is canon for what's happening now i have no choice but to say that uh, this is actually the seventh world if it's the sixth cataclysm (laughs) (laughs) because it goes world then cataclysm world then cataclysm and now we're up to the seventh world they forgot about the fifth cataclysm I'm just saying, what happened I mean, maybe, there? Maybe he can't tell you is a secret. I don't. I, I'm thinking that uh, because you know, a, a bit of inside the baseball, uh, Chatterun went through a weird um, between fourth and fifth edition. Fourth edition was owned by two companies. Chaosium was part of that, but it was also owned by another company that is very well known for making miniatures. And there was a legal debacle between the group that originally sold the rights because one of the owners who was going to Greenlight 5th Edition unnamed miniature company did not want it to because they wanted to make minis of Shadowrun. And he stepped in as the guy who owned the IP and said no. (laughs) So there's a bit of lore there that is missing due to legally it's not owned by Chaosium anymore. <laughs> they they lost it and they're like, oh, that sucks because I really want to know what happened these like twenty five years that don't exist in the world anymore because I love the world and I'm a nerd like that. It's like, yeah, all right. So we begin in 1972. Why are we now in uh, 2075 when the last game was in 2050? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Tk, this delving into intellectual property rights has been fascinating and I don't want you to feel like I'm diminishing your achievement by going backwards a little bit but did you say secret cataclysm because that's not a thing a cataclysm is on an is on a universal scale somebody would have noticed they would have noticed I mean there's this this cataclysm that doesn't exist in the world for some reason there's like well we had the fourth which was fourth edition and now we're on the 6th, which is 5th edition. It's like, wait, 
Where, 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 where does the fifth go? Is it a secret? Did it happen and we were all just asleep? Is this, is this some kind of weird, like, Dark City scenario where, you know, where we all fell asleep for, like, 50 years, woke up? Wow, um, the world changed an awful lot. deep thought. <laughs> so deep, DK, so deep. And now it's time for tea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Robert, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Tea out. time is the portion of our show where we check the so-called facts from the underside of a popular beverage tea brand who shall remain nameless. Your options will be true, false, or huh. I will read each fact and then wait for your response. Is everybody ready? Yep. All right. Always. CA passed out, so she won't be able to respond. No, no, I'm here. She'll be back. To <laughs> question number four. I was opening. I was opening my bottle. <laughs> <laughs> we tried that in the past. It never worked. I know. It didn't work. You didn't hear it at all. I was like, <laughs> I was like no. I no. did cut out the sound of a apple bottle opening, so I can just insert it wherever I want. Yes, if you could do that, yes. I appreciate it. It's our new curse bleep. That's it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every time. Oh, wow. That's great. I love it. Snapcap fact number 671. There is a town called Jersey Shore in Pennsylvania. True. True. I'm going to say true, only because I know TK and CA are both in Pennsylvania. Yes. but It's we? almost like they have been there or something. <laughs> to be wrong, it's going to be great. <laughs> and the answer is true. Yay. So we're, we're all at one. That's right. <laughs> Let's keep it going. <laughs> one. <laughs> Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania is in the middle of the state of Pennsylvania in Lycoming County. Uh, it is nowhere near the ocean, uh, but is instead near the Susquehanna River, uh, which snakes its way through the center of Pennsylvania. Originally, the town was settled by two brothers, Reuben and Jeremiah Manning, in 1800. Uh, they called the town Waynesburg, uh, for reasons that would be another half an hour of explaining this. <laughs> A second settlement began across the river, on the west side, and it became a Hatfield versus McCoy sort of scenario, uh, where East Shore versus West Shore, they began yelling at each other and throwing things. And uh, eventually, the new settlement uh, referred to the original Waynesburg settlement as Jersey Shore because the brothers were originally from New Jersey. It was a derogatory term. Eventually, the two settlements merged with Waynesburg winning out, but for some reason, they kept the name Jersey Shore. And it has been that way ever since. Uh, this town has a population of 4,361. And yet it has three zip codes. 17723, 17727, and 17740. Which makes no sense because on average, each zip code in America has 7,000 people attached to it. So why do they get three? Welcome to Pennsylvania. Well, what did you find out? Why do they have three? Nobody knows. sickness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Pennsylvania. Do we need a reason to do things? Yeah. Well, we, we do, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Snapcat fact number 728. The planet Saturn's density is lower than water. In fact, it would float if placed in water. True. Why is it true? Saturn's a gaseous planet. I'm going to go with true also. See, now he, he knows Starfinder. This is probably a fact for this game. 
Yes, but they lose their planets. So how good could they be? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but there is one that didn't die in TKs. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll go with true. Okay. And the answer is false. Oh. Um. <laughs> Why, Grizz? So, density is mass divided by volume. The density of Saturn is 0.687 grams per centimeter oh, cubed. Math. This is why I didn't get it. And that is, in fact, uh, the lowest density of any planet in our solar system. Uh, and the only planet with a density less than water. Uh, the density of water is 0.997 grams per centimeters cubed. Uh, for reference purposes, the density of Earth is 5.51 grams per centimeters cubed. So that shows you what having a little bit of rock under you can do. Um, however, we need both sides of this fact to be correct. So yes, it is true that Saturn's density is lower than water. However, if Saturn were placed in water, it would not float. It would dissolve. Because it's made out of gas. Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we would need a ball of water the size of the sun, at which point it would burst into flames from the massive pressure at its core. <laughs> TK, how do you not know? However, if we skip over that part and assume that the ball of water the size of the sun could actually exist, uh, basically it would dissolve Saturn. You would see Saturn just kind of ooze around the ball and become the this planet's new atmosphere. Hmm. So Saturn would actually get bigger with a water-based core. Technically, no, because the water planet would win out. So the water planet tears Saturn to shreds. Oh, okay. Yes. I now want to make a... A tabletop RPG that's just called Warring Planets. Mm, write it down. Saturn is made almost entirely out of helium and hydrogen, uh, which means that the atmosphere of this new planet would be uh, very similar to our own. Interesting. Yes. Stands oxygen, so we would all die. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. To destroy Saturn in less than 24 hours, uh, you would need a giant planet made of mercury. Not the planet Mercury, actual metal mercury. Uh, about the size of 200 Jupiters. 200 I'm just thinking, like, just the, 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 the poisoning that you <laughs> suffer. Let's get back to the violence. <laughs> I mean, that would be a giant thermometer planet. <laughs> it explodes. Snapcap fact number 830. The average human dream lasts only two to three seconds. Seconds? Seconds. I'm going to have to say false. That would be so crazy if that was true. TK, you don't really sleep. Do you dream? <laughs> I do dream, but they're, they're, they're typically messed up at times. I mean, that's for a whole other thing. Yeah, but I mean, that's is it like two, three seconds you sleep? Uh, I sleep about <laughs> two to three hours a night. <laughs> See, now I feel like it's possible. No, I'm going to say false. I think that's... No. I mean, seconds. Uh, mm. One, two, three. No. False. I'm going to say, just to be contrary, true. Ooh. <gasps> and the answer is false. Uh, ah! Yes. <laughs> it's got to be at least like a few minutes. Got to be. I've had some pretty good dreams. (laughs) (laughs) 
is, is that for the After Dark special? It is, yes, really. <laughs> 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 yeah, everybody knows me so well. <laughs> All dreams occur during the two-hour REM cycle of sleep. Um, however, on average, we dream three to five dreams per night. And so that averages out to about five to 20 minutes per dream. Yeah, that sounds more accurate. Um, according to researchers who uh, plugged people into machines, uh, earlier dreams are shorter than later dreams. Uh, so the later in the night you get, the more elaborate your dream will become. Uh, and remembering dreams is basically about interruption. Uh, whenever your dream is interrupted, your brain habitually uh, transfers it to short-term memory. Um, as if you were trying to get back to it in order to finish what it was that you were doing. Hmm. Nifty. Yes. Snapcap fact number 1307. Canada's postal code for Santa Claus at the North Pole is H-O-H-O-H-O. True. Oh. It's got to be true just because of how ironic it is. I heard it, it on is. the radio. <laughs> H O H O H O ho ho ho. I feel like it's too on the nose. Uh, I don't like it. False. All right. And the answer is true. No, no, I've lost one. Justin Trudeau said in 2013, "Quote: Everyone knows that Santa Claus is Canadian." Close quote. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, and you cannot find this fact anywhere else in the world. You can't Google it because I'm the only person who bothered to look it up. The most <laughs> northern Canadian FSA zip code is X0A0G0, which is used for the tiny village of Eureka in Nunavut. The population of Eureka has dwindled to eight, and they all work for the post office. <laughs> That's magical. <laughs> the best fact. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 37. A snail breathes through its foot. What? <laughs> Snails don't. Do they have feet? Well, they, they're like slug feet. I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to participate. They're like, they're, I figure in my mind, they're kind of like tiny gelatinous slugs. I'm going to say I feel like we had a false. question about a snail before. Didn't they have ears before or something weird? We did. Yeah, I made a joke about ears. hermaphroditic yes. snail porn. Yeah. It was a snail that had ears. Yes. Oh, no. I'm going to say false because I've never seen a foot on a snail before. I'm oh, going right. to say false because I think they do have nostrils. Didn't we, talk, we talked about snails before. I think he said they were like tentacles or something, right? Snails do have tentacles. But was that what was the, for smell? I don't think it was through their little feet. I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> I'm trying to remember your fact and do you proud. <laughs> do. <laughs> no, I'm going to say false. All right. They have tiny feet. And the answer is false. Yes. Yay. Because it's their tentacles, right? Snails don't have feet. <laughs> the one thing that we know about snails is that they're slimy and drag their asses across the ground. It could have been in the ooze. We don't know. 
underwater snails breathe through their gills, and ground snails have a rudimentary set of lungs uh, called the pallial cavity, uh, which is right next to... Uh, uh, they, they also have gills for when they're underwater, but they very rarely use them. Uh, so they're all kind of in the same area. Hmm. Uh, the opening uh, for those snails that live on the ground is right behind their tentacles, for those of you who are wondering. I would like to give a shout out to uh, B Anderton and her YouTube channel, which is dedicated to her unusual obsession with snails and her <laughs> chocolate lab, Dusty. Aww. Link in the description below. Do you see snails riding on the dog on the YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> I guess you'll have to go there. Snapcat fact number 1170. <laughs> Andrew Jackson's pet parrot, Paul was removed from his funeral for cursing. I want to say true because that just sounds so obscene. And it's also Andrew Jackson. Yeah, I like it. True. That's funny. Yeah, I did a whole history class on Andrew Jackson and they never mentioned his parrot. Um, so I'm going to say Ooh. true only because it sounds so absurd. It has to <laughs> because we wanted to be true so badly. <laughs> Rob literally took an entire course dedicated to this man and never heard about it, but he's like, true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too late to change your vote. And the answer is true. Yay. 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 Paul was an African gray parrot who was purchased for Andrew Jackson's wife. Uh, Andrew Jackson's wife died after she was embarrassed in the newspaper, uh, at which point he became good friends with the parrot. Uh, he was known for being verbose and crass. Uh, when he died, there was a funeral that was held, and the uh, officiant for the funeral, Reverend William Menifee Normant, said the following, quote, Before the sermon and while the crowd was gathering, a wicked parrot that was a household pet got excited and commenced <laughs> swearing so loud and long as to disturb the people. It's a parrot with Tourette's. That's awesome. <laughs> we glossed over the fact that sh his wife died of embarrassment from the newspaper. That is correct. <laughs> Andrew Jackson's wife was called a whore by his uh, political opponents all throughout his presidential campaign and died almost immediately after his election uh, as a result of heart failure. And it, it was understood that she literally cried every day about that. Yes. Well, I mean, it does explain why he almost beat someone to death. Um, Paul went on uh, later to let loose, quote, perfect gusts of curse words. And uh, the funeral goers were, quote, horrified and awed at the bird's lack of reverence. <laughs> <laughs> What's that tell you about Andrew Jackson, though? <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, William McKinley had a Mexican parrot named the Washington Post. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that tickled me more than it should. I'm just thinking, like, okay, the, the thing, the Washington Post, I had a parrot once. I'm just imagining that is what he lined its uh, cage with. Snapcat fact number 1398. <laughs> Because of metal prices, since 2006, the U.S. Mint has had to spend more money to make a penny than they are worth. True. 
True. Yeah, I'm going to say true. TK, pissed yes. about the pennies. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to laugh still. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is true. Yay. Uh, so these numbers are for 2017, and I have a link in the description below to the U.S. Mint, which publishes an annual report every year where they discuss such things. Uh, total value of a penny is obviously one cent. However, the cost to make the penny is 0.0206. So that's more than double. Uh, for 11 years, this has happened in a row. Uh, why don't we stop making pennies? It's because Abraham Lincoln's face is on them. And people get, uh, I don't know, whiny uh, when we start talking about removing one of the presidents from our currency. I can sense some hostility over that. This penny conversation is intense. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just imagining now, like protests happening. People dress like Lincoln. <laughs> uh, pennies, despite their copper color, are mostly made of zinc. Uh, it's just a copper coating. You can literally cut a penny in half, and it looks like a Reese cup that you bit into. Do not bite in the pennies. That's right. Oh, please don't bite a penny. Yes. Uh, figure, just throw no. that out there. We are not condoning the eating of pennies. <laughs> Uh, for what it's worth, nickels are also more expensive to produce than they are worth. Uh, a nickel is obviously 0.05, and, but it costs 0.07 to make. Um, each of these has grown significantly in the past year. So now more than ever is the time to have the discussion about whether or not we should have these two coins in our lives. <laughs> Yo, I mean, I'm just saying there's, no, there's not been a game. There's not been a game called pennies or nickels at a bar. It's called quarters for a reason, folks. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got dark there. Let's end this. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Originally, there was a hay penny, which was one half of a cent. But it was phased out in 1857 when its value was equal to that of a modern day dime. What? Wait, what? <laughs> they stopped making the hay penny when it was worth... The equivalent to today's dime, which means that we should stop making dimes as well. <laughs> Why are we making these currencies? It doesn't make sense. If you work at a cash register and you hand somebody a nickel, you should be flogged. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this escalated. Hey, Grace, what's next? <laughs> there isn't one. That's, that's this is the end of our game. And congratulations to Rob, who wins. Yay. Yay. I am the champion. Nailed it. You've been practicing. It was that epic master class in Andrew Jackson that carried the day, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for What's in the Box? What's in the Box? What's in the Box? Everybody ready? Yep. I'm ready. Yep. All right. Downward you climb from handhold to handhold. Eventually, the sheer slopes of the ravine give way to a steep pile of gravel, signaling that you have reached the bottom. Your arms, now free to hang at your sides, ache with happiness. Even if you find Molly and Minnie Mal, you have no idea how you're going to get them back out of this ravine. The floor of the ravine is covered in centuries of debris. In addition to the natural refuse like rocks and boulders, Clearly, the surrounding human population has also been dumping its trash here for quite some time. The scant remains of the mighty river that once dug this ravine now pools at the bottom in a noxious green marsh. 
You navigate the ravine by jumping from trash pile to trash pile so as to avoid getting soaked by the toxic green liquid below. All the while, you keep an eye downstream, looking for any sign of the dog-faced creatures or your wayward companions. It isn't until you climb a particularly high pile of old wagon parts that you catch sight of your first clue. Two dog faces dressed in repurposed tuna fish cans and holding combs as shields approach a makeshift dock about 40 yards from your position. One of them holds a spear while the other gingerly approaches the edge. When he reaches the edge, the second dog face grabs a rope that is dangling over the side and pulls on it. After a few seconds, the effort yields a metal cage, about twice the size of the dog face who's lifting it. You're impressed by their upper body strength. The dog face reaches into the cage and pulls out what is probably going to be the worst tasting lobster in history. <laughs> he turns back to his friend and the two celebrate their good fortune. But that's when you see it. A thin, vine-like tentacle stained the same toxic green color of the slime below you is snaking its way up the wooden pile of the dock towards the two dog faces. Before you can even think to call out a warning to them, it's too late. With lightning speed, the tentacle slithers up to the dog face with the spear, wraps around its arm, and drags him to the edge. The ensnared dog face screams in terror, grasping the edge of the dock while his companion rushes to his aid. But that's when a second tentacle snares the would-be rescuer and both go over the edge, never to be seen again. Well... I guess that's what you get for not paying attention, you say aloud. And that's when the tentacle that quietly wrapped itself around your leg pulls you off of the pile. Wait, which leg? There's three of us. <laughs> <laughs> the collective <laughs> left legs. <laughs> We're all getting pulled down. How very odd. <laughs> <laughs> this newest tentacle is significantly thicker and stronger than its predecessors. It holds you aloft, shaking you back and forth as if to free any loose chains you may be carrying. Luckily, the boot knife you recently acquired is attached to your other leg. You pull it from its scabbard and plunge it into the offending appendage. The owner of the tentacle, hitherto concealed by the foamy dross at the foot of the ravine, belches out a huge bubble in response to your assault, but manages to keep its grip on you. A very large jellyfish-like creature breaks the surface. Its dozens of mouths dot its surface like the eyes of a potato. In the choice between release and revenge, your counterpart chooses retribution. The creature pounds you continuously like an angry judge trying to maintain order in a courtroom. You are pounded off the walls. You are pounded off the ledges. You are pounded off the mounds. All the while, you slash and stab at your captor. At long last, with one final grisly plunge, you manage to free yourself from the now heavily bleeding tentacle. You land on a new pile of trash and scurry towards the top. Looking past your feet, you can see a second tentacle coming in your direction, slithering its way along the trail you are blazing. But fate decides to save you from the dinner party. Near the top of this particular pile of discarded miscellany, you come across a metal house safe. Without a moment to lose, you leap into the safe, preventing the door from locking behind you by jamming your boot knife into the gap. 
From the inside, you can hear multiple tentacles feeling up the pile like a ninth grader trying to undo his first bra. (laughs) (laughs) Devastated by exhaustion, you do your best to make room in your metal bedchamber. For a discarded safe, it's awfully crowded in here. That's when you realize that not everyone is as diligent at cleaning out their boxes before they throw them away. My question for you is this. What's in the box? What's in the box? Robert! You find a gold ring. And uh, this gold ring is almost as wide as the entire length from the back of your finger to your first knuckle. And there are seven gems around the ring of varying colors. Ooh. Does TK turn into Smeagol? Nope. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at you guys. Like, all right, I'm gonna back away from this slowly because I've seen what happens when people put on <laughs> random jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> we got a pretty nifty fortress one time. I might be willing to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this: These gemstones are they? Do they run down your finger when you say they're seven, or is it like around your finger? They're around the ring, so okay. it's around your finger. Now, are they as big as you know the ring is wide? Because I'm thinking these are like hunks of rock that are basically on the end of this. Um, all of them are pretty much about half that size, except for one, which is a very large diamond. Ah. Ooh. If I look into the diamond, does it give me any sort of warning that might suggest that putting on this ring will take my finger? It does not. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do an arcana check just to make sure? <laughs> I roll a 13 plus one on arcana. What do I feel about this ring? Um, You feel it's very magical. Oh. oh. What you gonna do, Grim? One final question before I say goodbye <laughs> to uh, one of the 10. Is Does the ring have like any sort of inscription or anything like that that maybe gives me a warning? No, it's just a gold ring with some gems in it. Okay, I put it on. Um, is he alive? He is alive now. Um, there are varying oh. colors of gems. Uh, there's a blue one, an orange one, a purple one, a yellow one, a red one, a green one, and the large diamond. Which one is up? Just push them all like an <laughs> elevator. <laughs> but <laughs> it is well established that when I eat Lucky Charms, I love the oat bits. So originally, <laughs> the gold side was up. Well, there, there's gems all the way around it, so one of them has to be up. Oh. Uh-oh. Which gem? Choose wisely. I feel, I feel like orange. blue. Blue? No. Okay. Might be the um, gemstone for me. Oh, you're a goner. You're a With goner. blue, as you clench your fist, um, you notice that you can create a portal. And it <gasps> teleports convenient. you to another location. Oh, way to save I my axe. No, it's too late. I jump in. Where am I going? <laughs> It, it's actually a location that you can pick. So um, oh. you can teleport to uh, anywhere that you want. It's a port portal <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you spin the ring around to go to another color? Wait, wait till I come back out of the portal. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm safely against the wall, just keeping lookout. Because, you know, those weird... The, the guards are eventually going to come back and realize that, uh, you know, portals keep opening with a loud whoop noise. The little voice in my head says orange, so we're going to try orange now. Okay, so orange, um, while there's nobody there, you believe that, based on your arcana check, that if you pointed the orange gem at another person, you would trap them inside the gem. 
and you can no, don't touch and me. you can communicate <laughs> with the person through the stone, or you can pull them out at will. No. So I burst out of the safe, orange orange <laughs> ring of blazing, right, and I suck in the the jellyfish into my ring. Oh. Boom! Awesome. <laughs> Problem solved. You're gonna make it your pet and talk to it. It's my bitching moment of the week. so if you continue spinning the ring around you'll come to purple and uh you believe purple will allow you if you clench a fist and point it at something to cast a destruction ray at 2d12 damage no don't touch me (laughs) oh don't let the gay have this one um (laughs) and then if you continue to spin it you believe that and you come to yellow um, you can read a person's mind, and if they fail a will save, you can also control them. Um, and if you continue to spin it, you come to a red gem, and that adds a plus six to your strength modifier. Um, and then the last multicolored gem is the green gem, and that will allow you to turn back time. And while you can turn back time and go into the past, um, you don't get any younger. So if you rewind time by several years, you would your person would appear older instantaneously. Ooh. Um, and then of course there's the last one, which is the large diamond that is the kind of the centerpiece of the ring, and this allows you to cast Wish at ninth level once per day, but it also uses up the power of all the other gems. Also, it looks fabulous at a dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and and so I kind of named this the Ring of Infinity. <laughs> nice. Ooh, that is so cool. Such a good name for it. All right, CA, so yeah, what's in your box? Okay, so on the safe, there's actually a tag that's coming out of it, and it says, <laughs> to the kilted sea lord. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have a choice but to, uh, to open this. <laughs> it is addressed to you. You can smell whiskey. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Further down the tag, it says, Care of the British Navy. <laughs> <laughs> it does have quite a few stamps on it from its travels. <laughs> yeah. why, why, why does this one say Tijuana on it? It's got stickers from a Manchester United game on it. <laughs> <laughs> When you open the safe, you see um, like a hundred ice cubes stacked up on each other, and they look like they have tiny toothpicks inside them. Boy, you got to be pretty cheap to make hors d'oeuvres that are that are <laughs> ice cubed. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw I suck on an ice cube. <laughs> you hear it start to beep. My cube? Oh. <laughs> I hurl it. I hurl it like a grenade. Yeah. You hurl it and it explodes and takes out the, the wall. In front Ooh. Of mm. Broke my ravine. I, I like this. <laughs> well, well, we're going to need to save a few of these for uh, next time Molly and Minnie Mall get captured. Oh, Minnie Mall. First of all, they'll eat anything, all right? So keep it away from the yaks. Mm. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, we don't want exploding yaks. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> we can't explain that. Every, every time you squeeze the udder for the milk, it blows the pan across the room. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> all right, TK, what's in your box? Uh, when you... You're looking inside the safe, behind everything else, behind all the rigmarole and stuff. There's a 
what looks like a tube of some sort. You know, like a, one of those tubes that you would, might carry a flute or a rifle in. Okay. And uh, if you... Because those two things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a very, a very, like an oboe. Something large. My flute. My flute or my This rifle. particular flute has 12 holes. Oh. And uh, when you pull it out, it's super light. And when you open it, there's a few pieces inside. Okay, like a telescope? Not really a telescope. <laughs> More like a uh, M4A2 carbide. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Interesting. <laughs> Say hello to my Lufra. <laughs> and when you assemble it, uh, the, it fits. The the barrel is actually the container it came in. Uh-oh. I'm and, uh, Are we going to die? This is a very like unsafe rumor. I try and picture this in my mind. I see the enemy running for me, and I'm like, all right, now just wait for it, and I'm building this epic uh, pyramidal when you, gun. When you... Uh, you notice there's an inscription written on the side of it? Uh, when you read the inscription, it assembles itself. Ooh. It assembles itself? Yeah, it, re- it assembles itself once the inscription is oh. read. Oh. Assembles. Mm. What language is the inscription in? It is in common. Oh, well, that's good. Finally. <laughs> and we, it says, we can read that. It says, the punnier, the better. <laughs> the punnier, the better. <laughs> Uh-oh, Grisbix, you need a pun. What rhymes with rifle? I see, now you're on the spot. <laughs> Stifle. This is the trifle rifle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when you make a pun, out of the gun shoots what looks like a bubble and this bubble when you step into it it protects you from all damage but it also makes you invulnerable so i fire a bubble out of the gun but it it's heading towards the enemy right well it stops in front of you if you push it towards the enemy it becomes a ball of mithril you gave me a bubble rifle Uh, This is the trouble bubble trifle rifle. (laughs) Uh, More puns you use, the bigger the bubble gets. Oh, no. (laughs) And uh, the ball of mithril, as it rolls, the the punnier the pun, it gets spikes. I feel like this is definitely a gun for a bard. Keep making puns. What else does it do? (laughs) Rhyming... Dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It also has no ammunition other than puns. It has no ill effects. So I don't have to add soapy water? No, you can just (laughs) fire it as much as you would like as long as you keep making puns. Nothing makes me happier than exploding yak's milk. So CA wins this week. <laughs> oh my Yay. goodness, I won. <laughs> Yay. Uh, uh, I love the fact that the, that's where your brain went. Just, yeah, they'll eat anything. We don't want exploding yak's, yak's milk. <laughs> I love how you chose me because of your joke. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> we are controlling transmission. So now we're going to close out our show. Uh, let's start this off by asking our good friend Rob, what are you up to this week, next week? What's coming up? I don't have a lot going on. I mean, I've got a lot of play-by-post games I'm still 
GMing and or playing in. And um, hopefully I'll be streaming sometime in the near future on Thread Raiders. So. Yes, and you'll be with us for Extra Life Open. I, I should be, yes. We'd love to have you. We need somebody to cover the 4 to 6 a.m. shift. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, I have I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> so you're already there. Yeah, good yeah. for you. <laughs> Perfect. You are well-trained. <laughs> I don't have any of those things, and it nearly killed me. We just recovered. <laughs> January the 27th which is not this Sunday. It will be next Sunday, for those of you who are listening at the time this podcast comes out. Uh, if you happen to be in Philadelphia, we are doing a special event, uh, and by we, Empire Steel, who's a good friend of ours, fellow Thread Raider, and also are the host of our new network. Uh, we are now part of the Empire Steel podcast network, for those of you who didn't know that. Yay! Yes. Um, Empire Steel will be at the Thirsty Dice, which is at uh, 1642 Fairmount Avenue in Philadelphia, uh, trying to help raise money for cancer research. Uh, this will go to support Headstrong FND, uh, which you can check out if you go onto Twitter. They are, in fact, Headstrong FND, um, and you can find out more about them there. And basically, uh, it is a group that you know raises money for cancer doing various events across the nation. And Empire Steel will be there uh, running his own show uh, in order to help uh, raise funds. That begins at 3.45 p.m. Uh, I'm not entirely sure exactly how long it will be, but I plan to stay for at least a couple of hours because it's D&D after all. Yes, and for those who don't know about Thirsty Dice, they're actually brand new to Philadelphia and they're a board game cafe. Uh, so you should definitely go out and support them. Go say hi. Um, I heard really good things about them, and you can find them on Twitter also. Yes, they're like a cat cafe, but without cats and with board games. <laughs> yes. I like that. But with the cafe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and February of 2019, the Stink Razor. Uh, the Stink Razor is a fundraiser to raise some money to help out our good friend Stink Rat Streams with her medical expenses. And... You know, what the goal is, we're trying to raise $8,000 so we can cover all of her medical expenses for the coming year. Because it is a lot. Uh, she has to do a lot of traveling <laughs> for it. Uh, she's a traumatic brain injury survivor, and she does streams herself. I actually got a chance where I was off work to catch one. They're always fun. Yeah. We'll be doing uh, video games, tabletop games. I'll be running uh, games between now and then on Thread Raiders. Just you'll randomly see me tweet about it that I'm running a game for the Stink Razor. We have the links on our Twitch channel. We post them a lot on Twitter to the point where I'm pretty sure people are just looking at me like, "Do you do nothing else?" (laughs) 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 And uh, when we we're going to be doing a 24-hour gaming marathon, and actually, Welcome to the Party RPG is going to help us out with uh, dedicating a day of their streams to help out as well. So if you're interested in either being a player or DMing a game, come reach out to TK over here and we can get you settled. We'd be more than happy to have you. And especially during February, we're doing it all month. So we can always work with your schedule for streaming and you can use our channel and we can host you if you'd like. If you don't have the equipment but want to stream a game, we're here for you. And for those of you who watch Twitch, uh, if you're looking for a really great channel, uh, Stinkums has her own channel. It used to be The Stink Rat Streams, but she changed it uh, recently. So now it is just Stink Rat Streams. She lost The The. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, uh, August 1st through the 4th is Gen Con. 
Uh, bringing it up now because for those of you who are interested, you definitely want to get in on the hotels and such now. Uh, this thing books really quickly, so uh, you want to you know, start making your plans uh, immediately. So hotels aren't actually up yet, but the badges are for sale, so you can pick them up now. Um, they don't sell out that quickly, so you still have time if you need to save up some money. Um, event registration um, is now open, so you can apply for those. I know Tabletop Loot and I, we uh, went in on an event <clears throat> together um, for uh, Dungeons & Dragons, so hopefully we get it. That would be amazing. Um, also, we're considering doing a Mets uh, Mets girl who's been on the show before is also in the Beholder's Eye podcast. Uh, they're going to get together with the Thread Readers along with David O'Steele with the uh, Steel Empire podcast to see if we can do a panel. So wish us luck. Hopefully we'll be able to do that. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, that would be my first panel. So I know I'm really excited about it. Um, the hotels are not out yet. I think it's in February. I'm not sure the exact date, um, but I would definitely check out the Gen Con website and be on top of that. The hotels sell out very quickly. And they're very expensive if you miss that hotel. Um, I would recommend doing Airbnb last year. I did the hotel lottery, but I still spent uh, $1,200 on a hotel room from Wednesday to to Monday. Wednesday to Monday. So it was still very expensive. Um, so I would definitely look into Airbnbs. I did that this year, uh, and it was only like 200 bucks for all of those days. So it's definitely a big difference. Um, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me about Gen Con. I know there's a lot of new people going. Uh, like Mets Girl, this is her first time going to a convention in general. So I know that can be very overwhelming. Uh, so, you know, if you have any questions, let me know. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it. I also want to thank uh, Rob for being here. Rob! Thanks, Rob. Not a problem. Yeah, next time we need you to do about 10 minutes on Andrew Jackson. I hope you're prepared for that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that class was like six years ago, so... That's all right. He hasn't aged a bit. Just use the ring to go back in time. Uh, I also would like to thank our sponsor, Tabletop Loot. Uh, You can use the code THREADRAIDERS in order to receive a 15% discount off of your dice. We also want to thank our other sponsor. We have a new sponsor this week, Founders Coffee. Uh, If you're looking for a great cup of morning coffee, you should go and check them out. Mm, Delicious. And now we are also part of the Empire Steel Podcast Network, so we want to thank them as well for hosting us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. For those of you who enjoyed our show, please give us a tweet and, uh, to help us spread the word. And for the more information on the Thread Raiders, you can check us out on threadraiders.com, where we have many more links now. Uh, we just updated our website this week. <laughs> to Twitter, Discord, for both video games and tabletop, etc., etc., etc.